Today, we're going over home buying tips so you can snag a great deal on your dream house. Welcome to Couple Money, a podcast focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Learn how by visiting bankbetter.org. This summer is wrapping up, but things are about to get busier for us. My mom was recently offered a job in the area, and so she's asked me to help her with buying a house. The problem is that here in the Raleigh Triangle area of North Carolina, it's very much a seller's market. Since we bought our house three years ago, prices have gone up on homes. The median price of homes currently listed in Raleigh is $330,000, which means we need to be savvy house hunters. I'm thrilled about this, but it's going to be a challenge for sure. And if you're looking to buy a home, you might be facing the same challenges, which is why I'm so happy to have Louis Guillama on today to offer his expertise. He's the vice president of real estate operations at Coastal, and he has had decades of experience as a real estate agent and with home renovations. In this episode, we're going to discuss the differences between buying new construction versus resale, spotting great and still affordable neighborhoods, and then finding a fixer-upper instead of being stuck with a money pen. Let's get started. I don't know how things are in your area, but here in Raleigh, if there's a strip of land, they will build on it. We have new developments coming up around our neighborhood, across the city, and we've noticed, of course, that our home property value is rising, and that can be a good thing, but it also means that if you're buying now, the prices are going to be much higher than when we first bought. And the first time we went house hunting, my husband and I went with a new construction. It was a townhouse on the north side of the city. And the second time around, we went with an older home, a little bit closer to downtown and much more convenient for how we live now. And there are noticeable differences with buying new versus a resale. So if you're hunting, you may be wondering what's the best option for you. And Lewis was sharing that with the new construction, there's going to be an additional expense. So obviously when you buy something that's new, you're going to pay, you know, pay a, a slight premium on that as opposed to, to buying something resale. And there's you know, quite, quite a few differences between new construction mm-hmm. and retail homes when it comes to, to pricing, to character, um, to development of the property and, and the neighborhood in general. So there's a you know, there's definite considerations that, that any home buyer should make. And also with new developments, you're looking at potentially having an HOA. While some may have very strong feelings about them, particularly negative, Lewis pointed out how they can work to your benefit. And so historically, HOAs will, will be enforced when a new development forms, and then they, they, they tend to expire after a period of time, and that tends to be 20 to 30 years unless they're renewed by covenants. Hmm. Most every new development will have an HOA, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That really aids the neighborhood and its development and, and the culture that, that, that it forms. Um, because, you know, you, you have 
all these different personalities and, and, you know, moving into the neighborhood. So it can go in any, any number of different directions. And so the, the covenants kind of put rails on it and kind of guide the development of the neighborhood. Listen, you can't change colors to this. There has to be uniformity in the structure. You can't park commercial cars in front of the house. So HOAs are not necessarily a bad thing. It can help the neighborhood develop to where it was intended to go. It can be problematic for some people, you know, if they have um, a larger number of, of pets um, than is typical. And I just met someone and they had six dogs. So that oh. may not be permissible in most HOAs, but, but there are some areas that they can find a nice home. So if you're considering buying a home with an HOA, take some time, do the research and better understand it not just with the cost, but what you're getting out of it. Those covenants are recorded at the, the inception of the neighborhood. They get recorded at the Register of Deeds. So anybody okay. can go into the public records at the Register of Deeds of you know, respective county and then do a search by the name of the HOA. And if you look at the name of the uh -huh. HOA, whether it's Wakefield Plantation or Briar <laughs> Creek, you can yeah. search in there and you'll see the covenants come up and then just read the, the covenants that, are, that apply to your particular property. It's very tempting to buy into a trendy or popular neighborhood. It seems like only a few spots have the best restaurants, fantastic parks, and incredible schools. But if you're determined to live in a particular neighborhood that's really popular right now, expect to pay a premium. And something to keep in mind is when you buy into a popular neighborhood, it's not always going to be the best move for you or your finances. You know, the best thing that I can recommend um, to finding homes with good value in good neighborhoods is to look at a, at a longer track record than what's trending today. Mm -hmm. Because what, what, you know, what I've seen in my experience, and, and we're talking 20 years in the real estate business, is that neighborhoods and areas, that everything operates on a cycle. So as an example, here in the Wally area, uh, back in 2005, the Wake mm -hmm. Plantation neighborhood was immensely popular. Everybody mm -hmm. wanted to live in that neighborhood. Homes were selling for up to $200 a square foot. And today, now, yeah. now we're, we're almost 15 years removed from that, and we encounter people that, that aren't able to sell their homes because of the price that they paid moving into it. it was, they mm -hmm. actually bought at the peak of the, of the, you know, the market in a really mm -hmm. trendy neighborhood. And so they, they paid a price. Now, obviously, there's value in use and value in trade, right? So mm -hmm. they got a lot of enjoyment out of it. It was a great neighborhood. They got some prestige and cachet out of it. But now value in trade is not as high as they'd want it to be. So what do you do? How do you find those gems or hidden spots in neighborhoods? What I always recommend to people is pick an area that's convenient to you that, that supports your your particular lifestyle mm -hmm. uh, is close, you know, close proximity to your work and to the, your, the, the places that you normally visit. And then don't buy the most expensive home in the neighborhood. Don't buy the prettiest home in the neighborhood. I always recommend look for the home that has a, you know, that's not the shiny new coin in the neighborhood. Ah, uh, finding those diamonds in the rough. Or another way to say them, fixer-uppers. If you ever watched House Hunters, you've probably seen this. A couple looks at a home and they start making comments about the place. And sometimes it's a legit complaint. They notice maybe the AC unit isn't in good working condition. But most times they complain or compliment all those surface finishes. The appliances, the countertops, the floorings. Oh, and my favorites definitely have to be the couples who hate the paint. 
when I spoke with Lewis, he told me that time and again, people buy based on what they see, which is understandable. But if you're trying to get a great deal, you need to focus deeper on the crucial areas of the home. Everyone's maintenance issues is predicated upon your purchase decision. Um, you have to look past your first initial or you know your emotional response to the property because we're all visual, right? Mm-hmm. And so people will walk into a property and they're based on their opinion, they're forming their opinion on the property based on what they see, but they're not really looking at the details behind the mm-hmm. property. So there are three key components to every home. There's the, the foundation and structure. You have mm-hmm. the mechanicals and plumbing, which is like your, your air conditioning system, your hot water heater, as well as the plumbing pipe itself. And then you have the surface finishes, which is what we're really uh, responding to when we enter a home, we look at the wood floors, we look at the quality of the cabinets, the paint surfaces, et cetera. Um, and I really encourage buyers to take a closer look at the foundation and the structure, make sure that that is sound. And that'll be determined um, by any competent home inspector. I always recommend doing a home inspection, even in new construction homes. So this, I can tell you from personal experience, he is absolutely right. Our first home, that new construction, yeah, we thought we could save some money because it was brand new and not have a home inspection. Well, sometimes when you see these builders come in and have developments go up quickly, the quality isn't what you expect. We saw things here and there that weren't done right the first time. And when it came time to sell, another issue was evident. The window seals were broken. We pretty much had to replace all but one window, which is kind of ridiculous because at that point, the home was about five years old. So you better believe that the next time around, we did have a home inspector and we followed him closely. With this house, when we came in, we immediately loved it. We loved the layout, the natural light, and the overall location. But the basement, there was so much potential. But between what the home inspector found and our sales comfort level, we saw we needed to make a pretty major repair if we planned on finishing and using it. If we bought as is, while we technically could have still afforded it, money would have been really tight for a while. Instead, we took that information we got from the home inspector and our agent negotiated a lower price. It allowed us to get the basement properly fixed, keep the mortgage affordable, and now have an awesome home office space for both of us, which is a huge win in our book. So if you're looking for a fixer-upper, it pays well to, well, pay someone to dig into your potential home so you can avoid a money pit. Then if you don't want to, you know, entrap yourself in a money pit, you want to make sure that the mechanical systems of the property have been updated. You want to make sure that the air conditioning is in good shape and, and in working order and that is one key component that a lot of people allow their home inspector to test. Mm-hmm. I always recommend to get an HVAC or air conditioning specialist to take a look at it because they, unlike a home inspector who's just going to measure the temperature of the air that's going into and out of the system, a specialist mm-hmm. will actually just you know take off the cover, connect all the gauges, and make sure that it's functioning the way it was intended. That's where you really encounter the money pit situations where you purchase mm-hmm. a house because it looks cosmetically it looks fantastic that the underlying support systems are old and and not functioning properly and you're constantly putting money into them. And air conditioning in particular can be very expensive. I mean, your typical HVAC service call is about $300. So you're not Mm going to get away from from a cheap service call when it comes to HVAC problems. And you'll normally go through 
three or four of them before you decide ultimately to replace it. And so that, that's a sure way to avoid a money pit. We're really hammering in on this because how you buy a home will have a huge effect when you go to sell your home. What I recommend for people is not to be attracted to the prettiest looking house in the neighborhood. Um, you have a lot of investors that go into, into you know, trendy neighborhoods and they will do cosmetic updates. They'll replace kitchen cabinets, they'll refinish the floors, they give a nice paint job. It looks really beautiful, but the mm -hmm. underlying portions of the house, the foundation, the plumbing system, the mechanicals are not in the best condition. And so people are paying you know, a premium because it looks great, but over time, it creates maintenance problems for them. And they're really not going to derive as much benefit for them because when they go to resale, it's not going to be looking like that because mm -hmm. they're not going to spend the money updating it. And so you, you pay a premium for looking great, but then when it comes to resale, the price mm -hmm. is going to drop a little bit because now it's, it's more used, right? The same yeah. thing happens with new construction properties. A lot of people think that they'll buy a brand new home and then maybe in three to five years, they'll sell it and move somewhere else. Well, in reality, new construction there is a very large premium between new construction and resale properties. And that could be as high as 20%. And so what, what happens is within the first three years, at least in, in most areas, mm -hmm. your property has actually declined in value from what you paid for it. And mm -hmm. you have to wait until the resale market comes up as it appreciates and reaches your price point, your entry point in that new construction home. And then it'll continue appreciating along with the rest of the market. Cause the day after you move into a brand new home, now you're in a resale property because you're the only people that can sell new construction are builders and that's it. Um, no matter mm -hmm. what you do, do it. Even if you completely renovate your home, you're still in the, compared to the resale market. And that market is, is you know, selling at a slight discount from new construction. So, um, you know, I worked with a lot of buyers that we would go look at houses and they would simply fall in love with the houses that investors, the savvy investors have just cleaned them up made them look nice and shiny and they're willing to pay top dollar for those. But if they look past that, look at their house in the same neighborhood that maybe hasn't been updated, the structure mm -hmm. is the same as, as the, the shiny new one, but maybe the flooring has to be replaced or the paint needs to be redone. You could save a considerable amount of money in that. Mm. I, in my 20 years, or actually now 30 years of home ownership, I have never bought the prettiest or nicest home in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I will look for a quality neighborhood and I'll buy the ugliest property that I can find in that neighborhood that suits my lifestyle. And then we'll mm -hmm. go ahead and fix it up. And you can recover so much wealth that way um, just by minor updating and just improving the presentation of the property. This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you're looking for better options with banking, please check out Coastal. Besides checking in savings account, they also are a mortgage lender and they have a wonderful real estate team at Dalemark Realty. You can find out all your options at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on some key takeaways I got from speaking with Lewis and our own personal experience buying homes. The first one is train yourself to see through the hype and stay objective. This is going to be the biggest purchase that you make, so you really want to be smart and wise about it. The tough part is everything about the marketing is meant to appeal to your emotions, even when you come in the staging, and I get it as a seller, we were trying to make it more appealing to buyers, but you want to make sure that you're savvy when you're going through the home. Make sure the important things are taken care of. The second one is be willing to dig and find the gems. There's more work up front, 
but it means much less work and money later. In an ideal world, your home that you buy is exactly the way that you want it. You found it at an affordable price and you just move in and live in it. But the reality is that you're either paying a premium to get exactly what you want or you're going to have to make adjustments with what you buy. The key here is to come in with clear eyes and understand what you're buying and making sure that your budget fits whether you're going with a new home or with a resale home. And finally, go for the fixer-upper, but not the money pit. As Lewis pointed out, there's some great deals if you can find a home with good bones and maybe needing some cosmetic changes. The house we're living in definitely was a win for us, but yes, there were things that we have to update, but it's on our own schedule and most of it is cosmetic. So this is great because it fits within our budget and we can work on a timeline that fits us. I hope these tips help you find your dream home at the right price. If you'd like to chat more about buying or even selling your home, please join us in our private and free Facebook group, Thriving Families. We're looking to support one another, help each other out with our biggest goals. We're over at couplemoney.com slash FB. Hope to see you there. Special thanks to Lewis for being part of the show. Listen, if you guys are thinking about buying or selling your home and you live here in the Triangle area of North Carolina, you should really check out Daymark Realty and Coastal. Yes, they're our sponsor, but we've used them ourselves. Our mortgage for this place is through Coastal and Anita from Daymark guided us step by step with buying our home. More than three years later, we're still very happy with our place. As always, I'll have links in the show notes with the resources we mentioned in our episode today, as well as bonuses like our free five days to 5k course, so you can start building up that down payment. Speaking of buying a home, next week we're talking about mastering your mortgage. We want to get those numbers lined up in your favor. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. And if you want to share this episode with your friends, I would be so grateful. Let's make money a way to connect instead of being a wedge in our marriages. Our theme song today was by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.